Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Friends, our sermon text for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in the third chapter. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 6. So again, this is Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to go ahead and apologize ahead of time if I pronounce some of these places wrong, but we're just going to roll through it as if I know what I'm talking about up here, all right? In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, a Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. I think many of you know this, but one of my favorite recreational activities is to go for a run. I simply like to be outside, pounding the pavement, working up a sweat, seeing how far I can push myself. For me, it's a stress reliever, it's a mood relaxer, and sometimes affords me with the chance to be able to hear and discern the presence of God. Oftentimes, these sermons are preceded by a run and my hearing the Lord guide me in a particular direction. Now, I realize that some don't understand it, Sometimes if I make reference to going on a run or being on a run, Chip will ask me, well, who was chasing you? (laughs) But regardless, I love being out there. And one thing that I take with me is my phone because on my phone I have this app that tells me just how far I've gone and just how fast I've gone that far. It shows me the calories that I've burned, but also has this feature to where it shows me afterwards using satellite imagery, I don't know how the technology works, but from the starting point to the ending point, exactly the route that I ran. Shows me every turn, every hill, every valley, everywhere that I've gone, and it also shows me the relative speed at which I ran for that particular time. So the fastest parts of my run are indicated by a green line, and then parts that are not so fast are a yellow line, and my slowest parts are indicated by a red line. And you can go through every run I've ever ran, and you can see exactly where I started, that I started out pretty good, 
and then it slowed up a little bit, and then finally it was my slowest as I brought things to a close. And it is that way for each and every one of my runs, except for one. A couple years ago, I was on a run when we served in Camden County. Now, Camden doesn't have the sidewalks and nature trails that we have here, so a lot of times my run was I had to make up a path for myself. And a lot of times that path was running around the community park and sometimes around school buildings. One day I was out running. I was coming to the, near the end of the run. I thought, well, I still feel pretty good, so I think I'll add a little bit to my path. And I decided to run close to a wooden area that was in front of a retention pond. And things were going pretty good until I got about six feet or so from what I thought was a stick lying on the banks of that pond. It was not a stick. It was a snake. Now, I don't know what your relationship is with snakes, but I don't have one. I try to avoid them at all costs, but this one was right in my path. Now, after worship, please don't ask me what color it was, what shape its eyes were. I didn't stop to have a conversation with it. I don't know what kind of snake it was, but it was a snake, all right? But I ran around it, and as I got past it, I looked back, and that thing was slithering towards me. Now, Gray's running track right now at the high school, and he and I had a conversation a few weeks ago that we O'Neills, we're not exactly built for speed. But that day, friends, I was an Olympic-quality sprinter. And I kid you not, after that experience was, was over, and I looked at my map on the phone to see where I ran and how fast I ran, you could easily find out where it was I came across that snake because the path was red, then all of a sudden green, and then red again. Needless to say, I did not pick that particular path ever again on one of my runs. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight are the words we hear this morning. You and I know that this passage is about John the Baptist and his role as the herald that will proclaim the coming Messiah that just so happened to be his cousin Jesus. And while we did talk a number of weeks ago about the number of miles that Jesus covered during his three or so years of ministry, please know that our reference to paths in Scripture this morning is not about physical roads or trails or sidewalks or hiking trails. It's not about where we run or where we ride our bikes or where we walk. It's not about Jesus running away from snakes. It's about you and I preparing a way for Jesus to be made Lord of every aspect of our lives in our hearts and minds. It's about you and I coming to a place where we can experience Advent not just as a celebration of something that happened 2,000 years ago, not just as something to be experienced at some indeterminate time in the future, but as something that we can and should experience every day of our lives here on planet Earth. This week I was captivated by this idea of the triple advent of Christ. The triple advent of Christ. I think we talked last week that that word advent simply means the arrival of some notable person or thing 
or event. It means the arrival or coming of somebody or something important. So this triple advent of Christ for us then means the three ways that Christ comes. Now last week in the passage we read from Luke that seemed to be a little bit out of place because it talked about end times. That's actually one of the three advents of Christ. That's Christ coming in glory. We talked last week, that's going to happen sometime down the road. We don't really know when that's going to be, but that's not cause for concern for us, is it? Because when that happens, that's going to be a joy-filled time for those that can stand in front of the Son of God. The other advent, or another advent, is the one that we're used to celebrating this time of year. That being when God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and decided to dwell with us for a little while to model for us what it means to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and what it means to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That's a second advent, Christ coming in a manger. And we live right in the middle of both of those, Christ coming in a manger and Christ coming in glory. You may have heard other preachers refer to that as the already and the not yet. We live right now in the already and the not yet, and it is in that space that you and I have the opportunity to experience and celebrate the third advent, which is Christ coming in our hearts. This is the opportunity you and I have every day, every one of us, to make a path, to clear a path, to make a straight path to allow Christ to come into our hearts. Because here's the thing, he's already come once in a manger. And he is going to come again as he promised in glory. And how we participate in that advent is very much determined by how we participate in the present one. And so the question for us this morning is, have you allowed Christ to come into your heart? And you say, oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. And I pray that that is the answer. But the question we have to ask ourselves then is, well, does Christ alone dwell in your heart? Or are there other things in your life not just vying for your attention, but also vying for space in your heart? Our friend, the Reverend Reverend John Wesley, in his sermon called Sin in Believers. It's funny because you talked about good Christians, bad Christians in the first song that you sang. He had a sermon called Sin in Believers. Here's what he said. He said, can Christ be in the same heart where sin is? Undoubtedly, he can. Otherwise, the heart could not be saved. Where the sickness is, there is the physician, carrying on his work within, striving till he casts sin out. But, I want you to listen to this part, but Christ indeed cannot reign where sin reigns. Neither will he dwell where any sin is allowed. But he is and dwells in the heart of every believer who is fighting against all sin, although his heart may not yet be purified. Fighting against all sin, even though his or her heart may not be purified. Meaning what? Christ may come into your heart, but friends, he will not reign or dwell there if any sin is allowed, if any distractions are allowed, 
if our focus is on other places. And I want you to notice the symbolism here in our gospel lesson. In the days when Luke was written, and he's taking words straight from Isaiah, when any king or governor or anybody of noble birth was scheduled to come into town, an inspector of sorts went ahead to make sure that everything was clean, that there were no potholes on the path, there were no distractions on the path, there was no trash. Everything was as clean as possible for the coming royalty. And that, friends, is what we're asked to do to prepare for the coming of Christ into our hearts. We are asked to keep the place as clean as we can. How? By obeying the vertical and horizontal commandments we spoke about a few weeks ago. Because, friends, I see that vertical commandment of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength in the words that tells us to fill every valley and make low every mountain and hill. When we are in the valley, when we are at our lowest, that is when our trust in the Lord is put to the test, isn't it? We may allow ourselves to feel abandoned or lost or forgotten about. We may allow ourselves to feel overwhelmed by feelings of grief or guilt or sadness, but friends, Jesus is always there ready to fill that valley if we receive him into our hearts as our Lord and Savior. And we are on that mountain or hilltop. There is that urge to think a little more highly of ourselves than we ought to, isn't it? We revel in our own successes and power and position and we forget about all the blessings that we've been afforded. As the book of James says, all good things come from above. When we're on that mountaintop, we must acknowledge the hand of the Almighty upon us and not lean on our own understanding. True worship of our Lord keeps us humble and thankful and allows Jesus to not just come into our hearts but to dwell and reign there. And so what about that horizontal commitment to love your neighbor as you love yourself? Well, let me ask you this. If you're crooked and rough with the way you deal with others, is that very loving? Only by loving in truth as straight shooters, as the term goes, and by seeking reconciliation with those we have rough relationships with, can we truly say that we are doing what Jesus asks us to do? So then what happens if we are thankful and humble and straight and smooth? Verse 6 tells us that all that do that, all that do that, will be able to see the salvation of God. All will find Jesus dwelling and reigning in their hearts. Now, this doesn't mean that you can maybe try it once, get it right, and then you're done. <laughs> Just as we have the ability every day to celebrate an Advent, so each day we have an opportunity to be better and better and better at living out those two commandments. Constant effort is what is preached from this pulpit just about every Sunday. And yes, you're going to get it wrong sometimes, but I pray you get it right more often than not. But every day of our lives, friends, comes with it a challenge and an opportunity. A challenge and an opportunity, and also it comes with a promise. These words that we just read from the Gospel of Luke, verses 4 and 6, come straight from the prophet Isaiah. It comes from chapter 40 in the book of Isaiah. And while I think all of us are fairly familiar with these verses in our lesson this morning... Has anybody in here ever read 
the pieces that come before this in Isaiah chapter 40. Right before the words we read about clearing the path, here's what Isaiah tells us. He says, Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And then we have the part that we're familiar with about making the path straight. That's the why. Isn't it? Have you ever asked yourself, well, why do we need to make the path of the Lord straight? Why do we need to do that? That part in Isaiah is the why. Because he tells us that we have served our term from being imprisoned by death, and now we are free. He tells us that our penalty for our sins has been paid. He tells us that the Lord speaks tenderly to us words of comfort because the Savior has come. Joy, peace, love, mercy, and a relationship with our Creator is here because of our Lord. And friends, why would you not want to welcome Jesus into your heart? Why would you want anything else to dwell or reign in your heart other than the one that came with the sole purpose of saving you? And just as we celebrate the advent of Jesus coming in a manger, and just like we will celebrate the advent of Jesus coming in glory, so friends, each of us every day should take the time to celebrate the advent of Jesus coming into our heart. We should make each and every day a day where we experience the love of our Lord. Because when we live humbly and thankfully and open to Christ indwelling in our hearts, then we find peace. And then we find joy. And then we find love. Then we find contentment and happiness. And we can find Christ anew each and every day, even in the midst of the familiar. Here's what I mean by that. This past Friday, I had a chance to make a number of in-home visits. Ruth and Cindy put together these bags that contain all manner of things. And I drove them around to different members of the congregation. Some that have not been able to worship with us for any number of reasons. Our friend Argent Spake was one that I called on. I interrupted her crossword puzzle, but she wasn't too cross at me about that. <laughs> I told her that I brought some goodies to her from our church. And she said, my church? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, my Methodist church? I said, yes, ma'am. So I handed her this bag, and I sat down, and I watched as she took out, one by one, everything that was in that bag. She took out an ornament, and she took out our devotion book, and she took out another ornament. She took out a bookmark. And then she took out this piece of paper that had been rolled and tied up as a scroll. And slowly and deliberately, I saw her untie that piece of paper and roll it open. And she began to read out loud. And she read, In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, 
For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Friends, when she got to that part of that scripture that says, To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, the corners of her mouth turned up. And she had a broad grin on her face. And her face shone with the brilliance of somebody who had just come across something valuable. Had just come across something precious. Had just come across something sacred. And I am sure that she has heard those words and read those words time after time after time after time. But on that Friday afternoon in her living room, it was as if she were hearing them for the first time. And she and I had a moment of joy and peace and love. We experienced an advent as Christ came into our hearts where we sat. The air was thick with his presence. The path was made straight. And friends, we rejoiced in the salvation of God. I pray that each and every one of you can experience a moment like that. I pray that each and every one of you will find a way to experience the risen Christ coming into your hearts each and every day as you try to keep the path straight, as you try to keep the valley filled, as you try to keep the mountain level and you try to set aside any crooked or rough behaviors. I pray for each of you to feel the strength and peace, and joy, and comfort, and love that the Almighty offers you because He wants to. He wants to come to you. He wants to dwell in your heart. So let Him. Let Him dwell. Let Him reign every day. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.